What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike, with me is Kevin Josh. Tonight, we will break down the gut-wrenching playoff matchup between the Hounds and Bethlehem Steel, uh, talk some listener questions, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what else we get into. It uh, could be interesting. Let's go! So I guess the one positive is that at least it feels like my voice is back to normal. Um, yeah, yeah, mine's uh, f- doing pretty good. I, I feel like uh, I'm very surprised I still have a voice. Yeah. After I sat down and recorded like the tail end of the, the 100th game episode yesterday, and as soon as I started to hear myself, I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, and then I went upstairs, and, and I went to like wake my kids up, and, <laughs> and my youngest looked at me, and he was like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, good to see you too, kid. Um, so... Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, I, re- I really don't know. Like, okay, so let's, I, like, where do we start? Do we start with the beginning of the game? Do we start with immediate feelings? Like, how do you guys want, Kev, you weren't there. So how, where do you want us to start? I'll, I'll run the podcast this week. I'll start off and say, how was it pre-gaming, first of all? Before the match, what was the atmosphere like? I know you guys put out the episode before with the memories of, of, of your favorite memories of Highmark. It was really great to hear all that kind of stories and the history and, and everyone's perspectives. So that was great. I really enjoyed listening to that. But what, you guys started tailgating eight hours before? I mean, it was a while, right? Yeah, so we started at 1 p.m. was the official start time for the tailgate. But as always, especially in Pittsburgh, I find that you give one time, and usually about an hour and a half later, people start, you know, rolling in. (laughs) So it got rolling around 2 o'clock was when it was really starting to pick up. Um, But yeah, it was a lot of tailgate. It was probably... One of the best tailgates I've seen at Highmark as far as the crowd goes, the the atmosphere, everyone there having a lot of fun. We had music playing the whole time. At some point, I feel like, if I remember right, there was someone on a Segway with a shark head dancing to, it might have been Vanilla Ice. I don't know. It was weird. I saw we, hints of it on Twitter. I was going to say, I tweeted out a video of, ba- of uh, Backstreet Boys. Was playing, oh, that's what it was. And everybody was breaking down. Jordan was on the Segway with the dinosaur head. Oh, yeah. dinosaur head, yeah. It's a little bit fuzzy. Um, <laughs> there, I also remember seeing some chugging contests that were, were ill-advised, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Double fisting. Uh, yeah. Adult beverages and uh, everyone wearing ponchos because they knew they were going to get soaked. So that was, that was also pretty funny. That was one where I had to spin around really quickly to protect my phone um, from <laughs> from just getting stuff spewed all over it. Um, yeah, I was I, I ended up getting there probably around two thirty, so I was there for the bulk of it. Um, and I think my wife keeps telling me it was because I didn't I literally ate like nothing the entire day. Like I woke up. I typically don't eat breakfast, but I woke up. And we ended up going to uh, the Carnegie Museum early uh, so that they had like a trick-or-treating thing going on there for the kids. So I was there with the kids for a little bit, and then I left. And I hadn't eaten anything all day. And Liz makes these – these um, they're pickles 
that are wrapped with like this dried meat. It kind of looks like salami. It's dried um, beef. Yeah. Yeah. And has cream cheese on it. And I was like, I came home and I was like, honey, these are delicious. And she's like, <laughs> I think it's because you ate nothing all day that like anything you ate. I was like, Josh made these Sam's Club burgers. They were amazing. <laughs> she was like, yeah. Yeah. Sam's Club burgers that came in a box of 40. Uh, <laughs> obviously the highest of grade. <laughs> But uh, no, it was it was definitely a good time. We we set up the table and uh, and everybody just sort of flocked over and was sharing memories, which was a lot of fun. Uh, there was a Segway race that went around the parking lot, which was a lot of fun to watch. Um, but overall, yeah, it was just a it was a really good time. And then it seemed like the second we decided to tear down and march in was when the rain just started to come and the wind was blowing sideways and it got nasty. It was a say, beautiful tale. Off at seven. What time did you guys start heading in? It was probably what, like five thirty yeah. that we actually because we were gonna originally do it at six, but we realized there was lines already forming at the gates, so we didn't want to be too late because we wanted to stake out our section. And at this point, I mean, you're tailgating; it not everyone who's in the section tailgates with you, so we didn't know how many people we would have in our section as far as like who would want to be standing the whole time chanting. So we were worried. So we we hurried up and packed up everything and we did our march in which is the first time we did a march all season maybe for two seasons now that we haven't done a march and that was awesome we actually went along the bike uh path this time instead of going the other direction we usually walked on the sidewalk next to the road so actually doing it down the bike path was really cool because you had more room and everyone who's already in the stadium is like pretty much you're on display for everyone in the stadium already and the players are who are practicing are you know able to see you so i feel like that was a a really cool moment uh so then we marched all the way down the bike path to the other side of the high mark and got in there and yeah as it got closer to seven o'clock you just saw that section filling and filling and filling and it's like oh man it looks this, beautiful on TV. Yeah, like this is the real deal, man. Like, <laughs> I remember we we had a meeting before um, and a talks about you know, hey, make sure everyone packs in to the front. Don't let people go all the way to the back because we didn't want people to be too loose in our section. So we didn't want the sound to you know be kind of dulled by the fact that we weren't all together. Or people would not be able to hear us. So we were thinking like we would fill up like the first half. And then maybe some normal people like who don't want to stand, like people who are just sitting there and blah, blah, first game, they would be in the back. Uh, but no, our section was standing from front to back. Chants were going. It was it was something to see. I mean, it's the first time in Highmark, you know, seeing that big of a crowd, over 5,000 people. Uh, the new capacity with the new stands were there, and they were selling standing room only tickets. I think the official count was five thousand one hundred and thirty some. So yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. You mentioned it already, but what about the weather? So the weather. I mean, like, cause so w- watching it on the stream, it. But I mean, w- w- maybe tell me more about what it was like sitting in the stadium, watching the game, experiencing the weather, and all that kind of stuff, because it definitely affected the play. So. um it started off not being terrible, but it, at a certain point, it definitely felt like the temperature just dropped, and the way we were facing was the way the wind was blowing. So, like, I was in the, I was like on the rail, taking the full brunt of it, and uh, I told, I told my wife, thank goodness. Um, before I left, she was like, "Do you want to take your raincoat?" I was like, "I don't need a raincoat," and I was like, ah, "I'll throw it in the car anyway." 
Uh, if I didn't have that, I would have froze. Like it was like like it acted as like a windbreaker, and I was able to keep my hands in my sweatshirt. Uh, it was cold, man. Um, yeah, Matt Polanski was right next to me with his kids, and they were like shivering, and he was like sticking them under his shirt to like keep them warm. And um, yeah, it definitely as the game went on, you know, and then we go into extra time, and we're all just like, oh, just like just finish this. Then it goes into PKs, <laughs> and it's just like. At that point, you're just like, this has to end. Like, we, we got to go home. I was actually really surprised by how many people stayed throughout the whole thing, including yeah. extra time in the PKs. I kind of expected the grandstand to empty out big time. And it, granted, it did, you know, get emptier as the night went on just because the weather was getting worse and worse. That first half wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It was the second half that was really killer. And uh, you would definitely, uh, something we find out with the new stands, if you're all the way up to the top it with the new stands, the wind is really harsh. So people who were at the very top, they were the first ones to vacate. Uh, there were some people who were, you know, diehards who are like, I can't do this. I can't stay up here. So they were like huddling down to the middle sections or to the, the front trying to, you know, kind of compact ourselves to stay warm, essentially. Uh, it, it got crazy, though. Yeah. And you mentioned that, you know, there were some people that left. I'd still say that towards the end of the game, the grandstand probably still was two thirds full. Like it wasn't it like you had like, this yeah. mass exodus of people. Like it yeah. was just, yeah. So I mean, yeah. So the weather will live on in memory, I guess. Mike, you can take over here at any time you want. But I was gonna say <laughs> you're doing just fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, might as well start with the starting lineup. I mean, is this what you guys expected before we get into like how we play and takeaways and all that kind of stuff? I mean, he goes with pretty much the same starting lineup that we lose against Red Bulls in the previous week. And I think everyone is mainly happy with that, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it was funny because before the game started, we were we were in the stands an hour before the game started. And so a lot of us were checking our phones, A, for the, the lineups for our game, and B, we were watching what was going on uh, in the Cincy-Nashville game because that one went to extra time. And then that one went to PK. So you had multiple people with their phones watching that game. And then I was checking for the lineup. Um, but no, I mean, it, yeah, it was it was pretty much what I was expecting to see. Um, no real surprises. And yeah, I think that's a good thing, though, because this lineup is, I feel like, our better lineup as far as what we've seen throughout the the recent history uh lee not starting i thought was interesting i thought that that would be the only one i would be questioning a little bit um but other than that this seems like a good lineup especially with the the who's hurt and who's not hurt so yeah yeah it definitely seemed like he needed to get the leaders out in the field i mean it was you know it's it's hugh not toby you know it's it's zemanski not i don't know Pick someone up. Sure, Holland. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it definitely seemed like there was, and I think that's another reason. He was never not going to play Vonky Zeal in this game. So I think once you start, I agree with you, Josh. I think Rayleigh is probably our, I, mean, I, think, I think he's played well, mm-hmm. uh, mostly all season. Um, but I think once he starts working down the list of players, he feels like he absolutely needs to play. I think Rayleigh is just kind of the first sacrifice in that, and uh, and we get the lineup that we see. Well, I mean, and one of the things, too, is while as soon as the game started, I, I think there were a couple of us that were saying in the stands, like, I, I love Von Kiazil. Um, I mean, the guy's a baller, but he's not a left back. Like, I, he could play lots of positions, but there are certain positions that you need just a little bit more speed. And he's much more of a thinking's man, middle of the field, making decisions sort of than, you know, trying to get in foot races with people. Yeah. So, um, 
but yeah again like when the lineup came out it was like great super this looks good let's do so it the game kicks off as i mentioned before i mean so watching on the stream tell me what, what you guys thought for the i mean essentially until zmanski scores in the 25th minute it was it, it wasn't really living up to usl playoff game i mean it was a, a possession was going nowhere balls were going out for throwings fouls were occurring i'm pretty sure at this time the weather was a thing because I, I know there were points in the game right where it wasn't raining yeah and the wind maybe wasn't that bad am i correct with that yeah and there were a few times in this game where i think it might have been in that first half where we would go to clear the ball and it would just it, it felt like it just stopped like mm-hmm. you'd kick it and the wind would catch it and it would just drop. Um, and I think we were using, I, I, I distinctly remember at one point in the second half thinking like, okay, this is to our advantage. Um, when uh, Kev, your boy and keeper uh, just kept trying to clear it out and it wasn't going anywhere. Um, Jake McGuire. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's when it struck me that the weather was definitely going to be an issue. But yeah, the first half it felt, it felt sloppy. Um, it's it is you know Josh has been saying this all season. It's very hard to tell what's going on from that section. <laughs> yeah. So like you sort of catch glimpses of it, and even like whenever it gets close to the net on the other end, I think people just start screaming in anticipation that it might go in, and then when it actually <laughs> does, things just explode. But um, yeah, I, I remember watching it and thinking it's really a shame that the weather is kind of the almighty like leveler in this yeah. game because I, I think you know we've shown throughout the season and i think just in general we have more quality in bethlehem but i mean it's the i think the amount of influence the weather had in this game is just a shame i mean you, you look at the match stats i mean bethlehem had 53 percent pass accuracy that means every other pass was not complete i mean that's amazing if you make 10 passes five of them aren't connecting with the player that you're i mean that's that's incredible and, and the hounds only had 60 percent pass accuracy so i mean it was it was a sloppy game there was over 30 fouls between us um so once again that means a foul every three minutes <laughs> and, which, Kev, if, was... and, and then you add in all the time where the where play is stopped and a goal happens all that kind of stuff there's a lot of fouls a lot of stops to play it was it was and, and i think the weather inevitably had an impact on that so i look what happened happened i'm not i'm not going to be one to blame a either a win or a loss on a ref i mean there are blatant times when that is the case but kevin what was your uh what was your viewpoint on how this game was called do you think that it was called fairly um what were your thoughts on on how it was refed i mean i'll say this removing the the holland red card because i mean in the end that really didn't have an effect on it at all um (laughs) It, it does in penalties. I it mean, does in penalties. Not having yeah. Holland there to take a penalty and having yeah. to rely on a defender to take but a penalty. I mean, the way, let's, let's talk about the penalties right. a bit. Anyway. Right. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Rewind's not play. But no, yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I remember more than one game in the regular season where I thought the ref had a much worse performance than this one. I actually thought he did fine. Watch, watching the game on the stream, I thought he had a fine performance. I don't, I, I don't remember... I don't remember once kind of getting off, you know, getting off my seat and yelling at the ref. I thought I thought he actually controlled the game pretty well. I did it a few times, but <laughs> I was right there. It's it, again, it's a different perspective. Like there was at least three or four 
throw-ins slash goal kicks slash corner kicks that he got wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of that you can chalk up to the linesman. Like, the linesman should be involved in that call as well. And the Joe Holland thing was just, I mean, he got straight ball. And uh, to go straight red for that was harsh. But I think, so from, from the TV perspective, mm-hmm. I think you could have been mistaken of because of the angle. Mm-hmm. Um, him maybe missing a little bit of the ball and then going kind of like studs first into his like chest or something, yeah. which I think from that yeah. perspective you can see how it's red. But if you're yeah, if you're no. saying that that didn't happen, then yeah, that's no. That's... Lizzie Lizzie McGuire sold it really well, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, his his toe was down the whole time, so studs weren't up. He was literally just trying like he his touch was too heavy. And he just tried to beat him to the ball, and it just sure. didn't happen. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like the, the the telling part about all this is if he would have gone that fast and his studs would have been up and he would have got any piece of the keeper, he's not getting back up and being like playing the rest of the game all good and cheery. You know what I mean? Like, that's the big thing. It's like the ref even looked at him once he got up and he had no marks and was like, giving him a talking to like it looked like he was like kind of upset yeah. uh, the ref looked like kind of upset. i remember that he was like he was like what happened are you serious like i thought this guy just like hit you in the face with his cleats like yeah. no he didn't yeah. and it, it is very deceptive with that angle because i watched the replay because i was kind of curious what it looked like and it does look bad on the replay yeah. uh but that's because the angle you're at you can't see how far away he actually is right um but yeah i'm not saying like he did come in hard, so maybe it is a a, a foul still, but it's th- that red card. Mm, I don't think so. Yeah. So I mean, so, I don't know. So twenty five minutes of played, Zemanski's goal goes in. I would imagine at the, at that point, you know, things in the Steel Army go off. Everyone's going nuts. Everyone's warming up, going 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 crazy. I mean, I, I thought probably for the first twenty, it was a very poor relatively evenly matched game but i think around 20 to 30 minutes the hounds did kind of turn it on and we started to get some more attacking play going and and i think that kind of build up pressure led to zemanski who to be fair i thought zemanski was probably our man of the match i think he played really really well um and i think it it kind of speaks to yeah i mean lily definitely trusted his quote-unquote leaders and experienced players on this one Zemanski being one of them and uh yeah I mean he took the goal well and I thought he played really well and I thought for that for that 10 minutes from like 20 minutes to 30 minutes um we we played pretty well and turned up the heat yeah there were a couple players that I found myself audibly going like man they're really good um Canardo Forbes was one of them uh Zemanski was one I think I said Dover a few times um yeah it's just yeah. I thought our midfield played really well in this game. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I I think I think Francois definitely had f- flashes. Um, I think out of the front three, he was the most exciting. I thought Brett and Parks were anonymous. Anonymous? Yeah. That's the right word. Anonymous. Yes. I'm not crazy. Anonymous. anonymous. Well, I know what you're trying to say. Tweet, we'll tweet go with at that. us and tell me if, um, <laughs> if anonymous is the right word. Um, no, but I thought, yeah, they were non-existent. How about there, that one? There you go. That's um, better. I, and I think it's a shame because I think, you know, Brett in moments of the season was just unplayable. And I thought he was, yeah, I, I, I don't remember a single moment where he significantly influenced the game. And, he, and, and that might have been just because it was a 120-minute game that I forget so much of. And it was a lot of excitement and passion and weather and blah, blah, blah. 
But I thought, you know, for such a big game, um, you need your big players to, to step up. And I thought, yeah, Parks and, and Brett didn't do that. And uh, and frankly, it's kind of shocking that we got two goals. Um, but obviously both of them coming from Zemanski and Hugh Roberts. Hugh Roberts probably had the most chances out of everyone in this game, yeah. all the <laughs> corners uh, that he almost got on the end of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, corners, that, that's one thing about this game that is kind of frustrating. Like, we had how many corners? Uh, 13 corners, and they had four. And, you know, we, we've been kind of beating that drum for half the season now, or most of the season. We talk about how our set pieces need to, need to be better because it seems like we just don't get on the end of set pieces hardly ever. Uh, so that, that kind of bit us in this one uh, as far as set pieces go. Yeah, well, I, we put it on Twitter, you know, um, send us your topics, questions, thoughts for this one. And uh, Peter Mercer said, what was the Hounds' overall weakness this season? Set pieces, finishing, was it possibly a case of a team that peaked too early? Every time we line up for a, for a corner, I, I had zero confidence the ball was going in. Like, none. Like, it just it, it was just like, okay, like, just put it back in play. Um, because th- how many corners have we scored on this season? Maybe two? Like, I think Toby had one, and that was after it sort of bounced around. But I'm trying to think beyond that. I think we, we had did this once before, and it turns out there was, like, three that yeah. we were forgetting. And we also then, had the Greenspan one. Yeah, and there were a few set pieces that we got late in the season. But otherwise, like, yeah, it's that. I mean, I think what, I think Hugh hit the bar on one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with 13 corners, you, you would hope to maybe get a couple more chances out of them, and, and that just didn't happen. Yeah, no, I, I thought weakness, corners, absolutely. Um, I think I think we definitely peaked too soon. That was actually kind of one of my big takeaways that I kind of wanted to eventually wrap up with, but I'll, I'll kind of say it now. Um, I think leading into this week, you know, I kind of said in the last podcast, my biggest worry was, or my, I guess my biggest question was whether or not, you know, these players could turn it on when it matters, um, because we certainly weren't going into this playoff game with any form. Um, and unfortunately, it just kind of looked like a combination of not coming in this game and with any kind of momentum. Plus, I think the weather definitely hurts. Um, yeah, I, I think we, you know, we weren't able to just say, okay, it's playoff time. Let's let's be the best versions of us we that we've been this season because um, it it just didn't happen. I mean, I, the only thing I would push back a little bit on with that is we got the lead twice in this game. We scored first, and then we, you know, after they equalized, we scored again. So it's not like we weren't getting the job done there. The problem was we could not hold the lead, and I don't understand why. And is it our, you know, back line peaked too early? Maybe that's more of the, the issue? Because I feel like the fact that we got this, the goals is that's what we needed like they, they did their job obviously it wasn't brett and it wasn't parks and when banjo came in it wasn't banjo but it's still we got the goals <laughs> i mean that's part of it i mean i can't even remember how what bethlehem's first goal was their second goal was the james chambers pretty set sick. piece off yeah. the off the post i think i'm pretty sure their first one they pretty much just go down the left side, get to our byline, and just fire across across the net, and one of their players just taps it in. Um, yeah, it was Dover was marking uh, the guy who did the cross in on the left-hand side, and it he just beat Dover. Uh, he outpaced him there, and it was kind of loose marking to begin with. And, yeah, he was able to get the cross into the goal, uh, well, into the area 
And then uh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, Doesn't Ingolina? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's his name. Yeah. He uh, he was able to get it in, and that was. I mean, again, though, that was in the 70th minute, so we had had that lead since the 25th minute, you know? It would just... But, so I, I think Lily kind of makes an interesting call. Once I mean, he, so he goes back four, doesn't go back five, or back three, however you want to call it. I mean, to some extent, that's interesting in itself, and you, maybe you want to give him credit for that, depending on, you know, your perspective of the game. But, I mean, I don't know, what would you guys call Vonky's deal? Would you say... I mean, for me, I would say he's a midfielder. Mm-hmm. That just gets played all over the place. So in theory, you can say like he starts the first playoff game with with essentially three defenders on the field. Um, so the fact that you know we're not able to shut out Bethlehem is you can kind of point to that and say, well, you know he he's putting more more players out to influence the attack than maybe the defense. And so the fact that he kind of rolls those dice and we still get so little out of the likes of Francois, Francois, Brett, and Parks, is I think that's the kind of backfired thing that happened. Um, and uh, and unfortunately, it kind of ends the way it does. But, yeah. Yeah, I can say that. And also with that is the fact that, I mean, it could it be because it is a playoff game. It is a big crowd, the biggest crowd we've ever had. And you want to put on a show. You want to put on a, a goal-scoring, you know, Definitely bonanza. You don't you don't want it to be a, a snorefest, uh, which I don't I don't I have a hard time believing Lily would ever be, you know, uh, succumb to that temptation. Like I feel like he would be the the last person to give a crap about that. <laughs> like he's like, no, I'm playing the way I want to play. Like that that's what I feel like Lily would say. <laughs> so I, I second guess my you know theory there that he he was trying to put out a more daring and more fun to view kind of soccer uh lineup but it's a possibility i guess i I think there's something in there with lily i mean and we'll probably get to this more on next week's podcast when we do a a longer kind of season overview but you know like i I think it no, no one's saying he has to say that he's not a defensive coach yet every time he's asked i'm not a defensive coach not a defensive coach and so I, I think, like you know, that the, you you could easily get away with saying, yeah, I'm, you know, I, this is this is my style. This is how I like to play. I you know I, I favor a strong defense and all that kind of stuff. I, I think there is something in him that doesn't see his systems playing like that. And I think over the season we saw that progress into a more idealized Lily system. I think we see a bit of it here. Um, so yeah, no, I I think this was him saying this is this is how we're playing yeah I, I i agree with you josh i don't think he's doing this for anyone in particular um but so let me ask you this then and i, I feel like this is starting to float into like next week's topic territory but if lily is does want to play this style where it is a bit more attacking do we have the personnel to do that i mean we i mean you can always add a couple more people for sure but but what i'm saying like like <laughs> brett had moments earlier this season but a lot of we talked about a lot of Brett's moments were sort of created from nothing. Like Brett was not like an always like get on the end of a ball kind of guy. It was like the ball's bouncing in and there's two guys on him and he's able to make one of them miss and he just has really good accuracy. So he's making something out of nothing. So if the idea is you want to push the game and you want to get more offense and all of that, it it felt like, you know, Francois was always a threat down the side with his speed, but especially towards the end, things started to get a bit predictable because he would always go in and he was always he would always do that cut to go back into the middle and then he would always try to take a shot. 
And he did that a couple times in this game, and it got blocked or whatever. Um, and you can't fault the guy. I mean, he's trying to make something happen. But it's just like it felt like we lacked – it's hard to say, you know, Brett was in the running. I think he's, I think he finished top 10 in goals in the USL this season. Um, it, but it and just it felt, felt like, like he hasn't gotten a goal for like 10 games. Right. Yeah. And so it's just like, you know, and, and parks we've talked ad nauseum about on this show. And it's just like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I really don't like, I, it, it felt like, especially earlier this season, you know, our cornerstone was shut down defense. Like we had, full faith that that team was walking out with only giving up a goal or, or or no goals or a goal at most and it felt like somewhere during the season that started to shift and Kev you mentioned like looking at the lineup of our midfield if you have a midfield three that's Dabo Zamansky and Kenny Forbes like holy crap like that's a that is a solid central midfield but there was some disconnect there that just didn't always translate into consistent you know attacking opportunities and it just I think that's ultimately what bit us I think we saw it down the stretch and I think you know especially the last two games were indicative of that and I think a lot of us just wanted to say like okay you know we're gonna brush that off it's the playoffs and this was a team that we beat what four to one just a few weeks ago and Mm. like you know we put one away in regular time and uh you gotta do better than that so yeah Guys, I feel like well, okay. Before we before we get to more <laughs> listener questions, yeah, I was okay. gonna ask you guys. I mean, we're like, so what? We kind of gone through, I guess, the details of the game and blah blah blah. Do we do we want to talk about pens? I feel like we at least have to mention it, Josh. I don't. Th- do you want to mention? It? You sort of have this look like no. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it it sucks. It really sucked and. It was a situation where neither keeper looked like they were saving anything. Yeah. Like, it, it was not close at all. Like, I believe there might have been one time that someone guessed the right direction and yeah. was actually almost there and getting hands to it. But, no, it, it was – it felt like from the, the – especially at the first couple, it's like, okay, this is going to be the first one to miss. This isn't going to be the first one to be saved, unfortunately. When, um, when Joe Greenspan lined up and ripped it into the net – I it dawned on me. I said the only way that this is going to end is if somebody misses the goal. Like the keepers aren't saving any of these. Like when our center back is like picking his spot and <laughs> ripping it into the net, I was like, okay, like somebody's going to choke. Like that's our yeah. that's that's the only uh, that's the only way this is going to end. And, and uh, I so hindsight, all that kind of stuff. Blah 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 blah. I, this is I caveat to all of this is like I, I don't think there was anything no mistake as far as the way we took the kicks and all that kind of stuff. And it sucks that Lee didn't get it in, but at the same time it's, it's penalties are a crapshoot to begin with. So, yeah. you know, all that caveats. I do question Lee going before Hugh because Hugh had gotten a goal this game. His confidence was up. And I, I was wondering, cause the last three that two left that were left to take a penalty were Hugh Lee and uh, Lynn. Those were our three remaining people. I forgot, I forgot Dan Lynn would have to take one, too. Yeah, yeah, Lynn would have to take one at the very end. So it's like, out of those three, like, why why Lee? Why not Hugh? I, that was my personal thought after the game. But again, like, you don't think, I don't know. Yeah. I don't fault anyone for that. I mean, you feel bad for Lee, especially. Um, as soon as he hit it, like, he literally passed it 
to me. Like I was standing there right next to the post and I saw him strike it and it rolled right to my feet. And I was just like, ugh. But going into it, I think everybody, at least everybody that was around me, as soon as it went to pens, we went, oh, crap. Like, because our, our track record on pens all season has been terrible. So I think, you know, as as we started to go through the cycle and everybody was burying it, my first question was, where the heck was this all season? Because we missed <laughs> so many pens. You only then, missed three. Ex- okay. Regardless. <laughs> out of, like, five that we got. But anyway. Yeah, right. Well, um, that's the amazing thing. I mean, for me, it was, you know, like, what? So Kay Banger takes pen against Cincinnati, blasts it over the bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he... You couldn't get more in the corner than, yeah. than he did. I mean, so a lot of these pens, I was shocked yeah. at, at the not, not only the accuracy, but the fact that so many of them went like high and in the corner. I mean, that's the most dangerous place to go because like you, you can easily put it over or put it wide. Um, and so the fact that all of them placed it so well, I was shocked. And so it, it was a combination of that. And a combination of, I mean, Josh and, and Mike, you, you're both, I mean, the keepers weren't getting anywhere near it. I mean, it was, um, like, and I know a lot of the times you're just, you're guessing. And then I, it just felt like after a while, they almost got in their own heads. And they were like, mm-hmm. well, I'm not going to get this. And it could, because it was, it was yeah, it, it, it was one of the, I don't want, and this sounds super harsh, and I don't really mean it to be the way I'm about to say it, but it was one of the worst goalkeeping performances in any kind of shoot that I've seen. Um, yeah, they end up just kind of putting a knee down and like, ah, crap. <laughs> like, that's it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, what, 15 pens. Yeah. All of them Ugh. go in except the one that gets missed. It's nuts. And, you know, I think everybody immediately felt terrible for Lee. Um, in, in all honesty, he, we should have never let Nick got to that point in the first place. Like, the game should have been over long before we even went to extra time. Um, so you can't blame anything on one player at that point. Um, you know, he didn't even come in until extra time anyway. So, like, yeah. it, the game should have been decided well before that, and it wasn't. So I'm completely happy if either of you want to not talk about this and completely dismiss it. But uh, any, any thoughts on James Chambers? Look, so here's the thing. Um, I, <laughs> it sounds like, you know, from all intents and purposes, listening to Evan and talking to Evan, like Chambers is a real stand-up guy off the field and all of that. And honestly, their whole team – um, when they're taking pens and they're looking at the Steel Army and they're like shushing them and all of that, like in the heat of things, I like, you know, we're yelling back at them and you're like, you know, but I totally get it from just like emotional standpoint. So when I look back at it, I'm like, that's, that's fine. What wasn't fine was after they won, after they celebrated, everything was done. They went and they celebrated with their fans the field was clearing a number of their players came back over and started chirping at some of the fans, like antagonizing them and like trying to get them to do stuff. And security actually had to come and escort their players off the field because they were just like five minutes after it was all over, they were still trying to come in and like say stuff to the fans. And it's like, just show like a little bit of class, like anything else I would have let slide, but that it's just like, there's no need for that at all. 
at that moment is when I realized and I remembered, oh, yeah, we're playing a two-team with a whole bunch of 19-year-olds that don't know how to act like adults. And they're coming over and being like, whoa, check it out. Look what we did. It's like, seriously, guys? Like, there's like a thousand drunk people right in this section. Like, maybe don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, and just curious, was, was Chambers one Chambers, of them? Chambers was not one of those guys. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's I mean... <laughs> It's one of those things where, you know, you look back, I, the comparison to sort of the Philadelphia Flyers and the Penguins, like the Flyers were always a team that you loved to hate because there was always the one guy on the team that was always pulling at jerseys or, you know, now I'm transitioning back to soccer, but pulling at jerseys and taking guys down or he got in what Kenny's face and Kenny pushed him and he immediately turned and like fake, like he got his eye poked out or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, I remember thinking immediately, I've heard of stories of guys turning away and then trying to intentionally get themselves to bleed so that they yeah. can show the rest. I was like, he would totally be someone to do yeah. that. So. And if that was somebody on our team, I think we'd be like, oh, that's amazing. So like, sure, I can't, yeah, yeah. I can't totally uh. fault him. I know that John put out a thing about like, oh, is he like public enemy number one in Pittsburgh? To me, no. Like there, there are other players that I think have done much more egregious things that, um, it, you know, uh, what's his face from uh, Louis? That that looked like uh, Snyder from Three Ninjas. Um, <laughs> wait, what was his name? Very random Del, reference. Del, Del, Del Piccolo. Piccolo. Yeah, Del Piccolo. Like he's one that I'm just like, yeah, I can't stand that. But Chambers, I feel like he's been around enough. He knows sort of the gamesmanship, and to a certain level, I respect that. If he was one of the guys coming over that was like trying to get into it with the fans after the fact, like that all goes out the window. But like he was nowhere near any of that. So mm-hmm. and it, it, it was a heck of a free kick at the end, especially like pressures oh. on 109th minute. Yeah. To uh, to rip it off the post and go, you know, near post and everything. it was it was a heck of a free kick. My whole yeah. thing, as soon as that happened, I'm I'm sitting there and we're talking and I'm like, he's he's too close to bend it over the wall. Like he can't go over the wall. Like he. But at the to. same time, it's tough because like if you're Lind, you at least have to respect the like chance that yeah. he'll try, and so you can't just sit there on the other side of the net mm-hmm. waiting for him to go near post. So yeah, it was. I I think so much of this. I don't know. I I think. I think all of these players will learn a lot from this experience. Uh, Lynn being one of them, you know, getting into a playoff uh, penalty shootout, um, uh, you know, taking that, you know, knowing what to do in those free kick situations. Cause it did seem like he was just kind of stuck between two minds. He treated it like any other free kick um, when you really can't. Cause you're right, Mike. I mean, there's no way he like freaking like Ronaldo can't do that. Like, so if you're too close, like yeah. scientifically it can't happen. So your, your hope is that the wall, if, if you're trying to hit it at the wall, your hope is that the wall is going to break and it goes through, but mm-hmm. otherwise there's no way it's going in that way. Yeah. So they'll, they'll definitely take a, away a lot from this experience. And I just hope they kind of grow from it instead of uh, crumbling from it. Uh, and going back to the PKs real fast. I do. So I don't. This might be premature. I don't know what his plans are. I don't know what the team's plans are. But having Kevin Kerr take the first PK and bearing it, and then coming over and celebrating in front of the Steel Army, that was really cool. Yeah. Like that was a very much like a hell yeah moment uh, of the night. And uh, I'm hoping it's not the last time we see him. You know, score for the Steel or for the Riverhounds. But uh, if it is, at least you know he got that moment after the injury and was able to have that one last score and kind of celebration in front of the army. Well, and it felt like he was subbed in four PKs. 
Like it yeah, felt definitely. like when he came in, it was kind of like, okay, like we need scores on the field at this point. So we're getting him in. And it felt like Joe Holland could have been something similar. So when he got called out, it was just like, that was my issue. I mean, that, that's the only reason why I think that red card does have an effect. Cause Joe Holland being there, means that's one more PK that we have taken before we get to, to defenders uh, taking PKs. And that that's an opportunity for you know something different i'm not saying something different would have happened like for all we know holland could have skied it uh but it's it's something to keep in mind that it did have an effect and you feel bad i mean after the fact the game you know lily was still talking to people or he was talking to the the players and i think a lot of us were like there's like no games left like what what is he saying to them (laughs) like it's just i mean he he could have been saying like yeah if he's talking tactics at that point doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) but if he's saying you know like keep your heads up blah blah blah, learn from this experience then it makes sense yeah and you know you feel bad and none of the players came through and had tears in their eyes and they were upset and they were thanking everybody for sticking around and um yeah i mean it was it was somber leaving the field i think we hung around longer than like there wasn't like the crazy fans all over the field like there typically is during a regular game like most of the people in the grandstand just left after the pk well they they didn't announce uh, fan signings or anything like that. Yeah. Like, they didn't open up the field to the public, technically. I feel like at the point that we left, we were allowed on the field because everyone else was already gone. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're here still? You must be staff. <laughs> <laughs> Why else would you still be in the stadium? Yeah, uh, it takes a while to break down the Steel Army section, especially when you uh, bring out every single flag, every single banner, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, guys, our buddy... Um, and uh, and play-by-play guy Matt Geica asked, how, are, how have your feelings changed about the result over the past 36 to 48 hours? Um, I guess I'll start. So having like an hour and a half to two-hour ride home um, gave me plenty of time to sort of reflect on what happened. Um, I think that in the moment, it very much felt like I, I, I knew that if we went to, to Penns, we'd be in trouble. And so I think that putting ourselves in that position in the first place wasn't great. But I mean, I mean uh, you say that, but we did score seven straight penalties. Like, so. Oh, no, no, no. I know that. But that was a surprise. Like, I think based sure. on, like, yeah. on, on sort of past results, I felt like if we're going to pens, like, this, this could end. You're, you're putting too much in, in the hands of chance by letting it go to pens. You have much more control over what happens in the rest of the game, and we just didn't take advantage of that control. So um, so I wasn't entirely shocked, especially when I knew that somebody would have to choke. Like I did, I had, like I said, Jake McGuire, I had zero confidence in him saving anything. So I, did, I wasn't worried about us putting something on net. I just knew it had to be somebody that was going to miss. Um, but I think that it's, again, compared to where we were last season, if we would have said, hey, you guys are going to get one home playoff game, it's going to be sold out the steel army is going to be twice the size that it normally is. And you're going to see literally everything you could potentially see in a soccer game. You're going to see a yellow card. You're going to see a red card. You're going to see two rounds of overtime. You're going to see pens. You're going to see four goals in the game before the pens. I think that, that, you know, the three of us sitting here last year would have been like, yeah, let's do it. Like that would be amazing to see. And so the fact that it happened and you know the weather was freezing i mean that just sort of adds to the memory of it and you know the interesting thing about all of this and we'll talk about it next week is that every one of these players on the roster has an option to be picked up for next year so 
who stays, who goes, who knows. But it feels like this is very much sort of laying the foundation. Now these guys all have experience. Every one of these guys has experience of being in a game like this. And so it's not going to be new for anybody come next year when we step on the field, or at least a majority of who we're assuming may come back. And, uh, and the team's going to be that much stronger for it. And um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I know that it was um, a difficult evening for a lot of the players. I know that Tuffy was really upset about everything. I mean, Tuffy just tweeted out, sorry. And it's like, stop uh, it. It was heartbreaking. Stop yeah, it was after like, the game. Yeah. Yeah. What are you what are you apologizing for, Tuffy? Like you just yeah. packed the house. I, I said I think the biggest thing for me that we talked about in years past and uh and not that I wasn't expecting it, but it was a total surprise. All of the, the local coverage leading up to this game was I think what we've been asking for for years. The fact that like, you know, the majority of the team was at the Pens game and they take the time to interview them at the Pens game, and they're on the Jumbotron, and that makes the news. Like, that doesn't happen by accident. Tuffy's just like, oh, here's, here's 10 tickets. Go enjoy the game. Somebody was saying, hey, the Hounds are coming. You should interview them. The Pirates tweeted out before the game, good luck to the, to the Hounds. Uh, the mayor was at the game to do the coin toss. Like, there were a lot of strings that were pulled to really elevate the, the, the level of um, uh, just – relevance the within the city exactly yeah. and uh and you know kudos to him for for making that happen to what level i have no idea but i know he had to be involved somehow so um that's the sort of stuff that i think is really going to make an impact on the team longer term and sort of embedding the notion of this team being here on the conscience of of fellow pittsburghers that is going to go so much more towards continuing to grow this team than whether or not we won this game or not. So I think that was one of the biggest things for me. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm positive, you know, it's difficult because I think a lot of people, I had people messaging me, you know, all over the weekend just saying like, hey, sorry, I had you guys going to the Eastern Conference Finals and all. Yeah, us too. But like sometimes stuff happens and this was one of those cases where stuff happens. But I've talked enough. Josh, how are you feeling 36 to 48 hours after all this? Yeah, I mean, I still couldn't watch the game this today. Uh, I don't. It's just uh, usually for show prep, you know, rewatch the game. I was like, no, I can't do that. I just, I could not put myself through that. But like retrospectively, looking at the whole season, it's like it's hard to. This one game is kind of hard to equate this to failure for the team because this was a playoff game. We were in the playoffs. We were at a home playoff game. We had a stadium that was most people there ever in the history of the stadium and having our new section and the steel army section, the Paul child stands like it, it was awesome to see that full and like people I didn't know, which was also awesome. Like that's always what I wanted. I want, I want to be able to walk into the steel army section and not know everyone. <laughs> I want to be able to be like, hmm, there's, there's a crowd here. Like that's, that's the best thing. Um, so yeah, that kind of stuff. It just, it's hard to be too upset when you had all this good happen because of this game and just like seeing how much the community rallied around uh, the Riverhounds. And we had a TIFO co-op in the beginning. Um, I thought it looked pretty awesome myself. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> afterwards, though, like after we did the TIFO, we ride down. 
like I had to like walk away. I was like, okay, this is a little bit too emotional right now. So I'm just going to walk around, walk the back for a while and then come back to the stands. So yeah, like it was awesome. So it's hard to be too negative about the whole situation because this season was a hell of a season. Yeah. Kev, how are you feeling? Um, I mean, yeah, I'll, everything you guys just said was completely legitimate. Um, if it, I was gonna, the thing that kind of came up in my head while preparing for this game and and watching the game, the lead up for all the tweets, the mayor, the Penguins, the you know, in my head, and then seeing the turnout, seeing that stand, um, the 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 kind of phrase that popped in my, you know, it it feels like we have a proper soccer team in Pittsburgh. Um, it feels like we have a proper, you know. Sp- additional sports team in Pittsburgh now um, that that has a following, that has excitement, that has entertainment around it, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's what I'm most happy about. That's what I'm most excited about. I'll comma it and, and, get, and, and answer uh, Matt's um, question more directly. Obviously, it still really hurts. It sucks. Um, before this game, before this podcast, we were saying we want Bethlehem, we want Bethlehem, we want Bethlehem. We got Bethlehem. We were saying, like, we feel good about it, we're going to win, blah, blah, blah. And we didn't. And so, you know, part of me still feels like it's unfortunate the weather was kind of an equalizer to that. Maybe if we don't get that, you know, wet and, and, and wind, maybe the outcome comes becomes a bit different. But this this was a game that we all sh- felt like we should have won. And, and, and that, I think that's the other disappointing thing is everything surrounding this night everything you guys just said you know it sounds like it was and will be a memorable night and an impactful night for the club moving forward and all that kind of stuff and all that's very positive but it it if we're speaking honestly it could have been a little better it bigger it could have been a little better um if if we walk out with a win and i think that's the most disheartening thing but uh but there's still a lot of positivity around it um you know it's everything you guys just said about the emotional, you know, experiences of, of being the fan and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it is, the, the club is moving in the right direction, um, without, without a doubt. And so I, I think that has everyone excited for, for what's, what's to come next season. I'm just kind of reminded, uh, on the 100, you know, look back, uh, the, the show we did at the tailgate, uh, we had more than one person say their favorite memory of Highmark was the home opener. We lost that home opener. We lost that to, the city Islanders for crying out loud like that. That was a loss. And yet that is a lot of people's favorite memory from the high mark. Cause it was packed in our section. It was the first time being there. So something to think about. I mean, like it, yes, it sucks. We lost, but I don't think that's really going to make a difference as far as people are remembering this night and being like, that was freaking awesome. <laughs> so yeah. in the end it sucks, but it could be worse. Yeah, and I'll say for you know myself personally, it was interesting because there were a lot of in that hundredth special. Everyone was talking about the DC game, um, about Miracle on the Mon. I mean, for me, this is one that you know I won't forget. I, just sort of turning around and just sort of seeing the sea of yellow and like looking out on the field and see something happen, and you hear the grandstand getting rowdy about calls That's that so the ref cool. was making. Like that was just awesome, and so. Um, yeah, this is definitely going to be one of those games that just, like, it just sticks with you. And, and we'll be talking about it for years. You know, remember that first playoff game against Bethlehem where we went to PKs? And, yeah. And, Kev, to your point, this was a game that driving in, I 
I was 100% confident that we were going to be winning this game and talking about playing Louisville in the next round. Like I, this, I was like, this is going to be magical. Like we're just, the, the tailgate's going to be awesome. The stadium's going to be awesome. We're going to have a huge party when it's over. And then it didn't happen. But um, I think the later the game went on, the more it started to just like, you know, come down on me that that was a real possibility. And that's why I think that, I was so easy to, you know, after it happened, just sort of be like, okay, you know, this is where we're at. So, but yeah, as you guys say, I mean, more and more, I'm definitely coming to the belief that, you know, being a fan and and following a sports team, you know, first, and, and and this is different for everyone. For me, it is about entertainment. It's about making memories. It's about enjoying yourself and kind of yeah, getting closer with with friends and and community and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it sounds like this game checked all of those boxes, and so that's that's going to be the most important thing for sure. Um, it, yeah, so that's 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 all good. Yeah, and you know, thanks to everybody who sent in topics and questions and things. Um, if we didn't get to it this week, I promise we will get to it next week. There were some things we wanted to save for sort of the the bigger season wrap up discussion. The one that I will close on, uh, Nikki Kolarak, who used to play for the Hounds, tweeted out. Compare Lily Staff to Brant and how the team goes from bottom of the table, goes from bottom of the table club to top club in the East and powerhouse. Hats off to Tuffy and Club for bringing in Lily. Also, Lily, his staff, and players for a great year. Uh, looking at it, um, so you know we all were huge fans of Dave Brant, but uh, Dan Visser is still here. Hunter Gilstrap is still here. It was basically Lily and Pulisic that came in. They're the new people on staff. And they basically remade this team. Um, so again, you know, hats off to them, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a very very interesting off season. Um, I'm looking forward to talking to Tuffy, maybe talking to Lily, just sort of getting their thoughts where they're at. I know, it, I mean, it it was literally a whirlwind season for Lily, where he was brought in, um, you know, somewhat late in the in the off season and was making moves, and you know, barely had time to find a place and. Uh, and to go as far as we did is, is, is impressive. So, yeah, definitely kudos to everybody. I thought Nikki wrapped that up well. Guys, I guess, you know, anything else you want to talk about in this, in this one before we, you know, sign off and do our wrap-up show next week? I'm good. <laughs> I'm just tired. Ah, oh, just so drained. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I woke up this morning, and I was still, like, exhausted from everything. So I, I, it's taken me a few days to recover. Um, but yeah, so next week we will do our, uh, season wrap up show. We're going to have the whole crew on. So Liz, Laura, Ellen, Justin will be joining us. So if you have topics, ideas for us, we already have a few that people sent in. Thank you so much for those. If you have more topics, send them in. Um, cause we want to talk about everything about the season, sort of recap favorite moments, um, talk about, you know, some of the signings, things like that. And, uh, and really sort of wrap up you know, what a, a, a successful season this was, even though, you know, it sort of ended the way that it did. Um, after that, we're going to take a week off. I will be in New York. Um, so uh, I feel like that's a good time for us to sort of take a, a, a brief break, but I don't want to take too long of a break before we start talking to some people and get right back into it. Josh is shaking his head like he's going to miss us too much, so we can't take more than a week exactly. off. Um, but, yeah, I think that's it from us. Guys, uh, you know, I guess one other big shout out, uh, the number of people that came up to me and, you know, basically said, you know, thank you for doing what you guys do was really humbling. 
Um, I apologize if I laughed at you because to me, like the whole notion that it means that much when literally I've said, if nobody listens, like we would still do this. It's just a lot of fun. Um, but thank you so much for coming up and saying hello. Um, it does mean a lot and, uh, and we appreciate all the support. Um, and we're just going to keep doing what we're doing because we're having a blast doing it. And this team is making it worthwhile to do it. So absolutely. We aren't going anywhere. So thank you, and thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and all U.S. soccer. Get your scarves for your club or organization at roughneckscarves.com. Check out, you know, you want to keep following what's going on with the USL. Kevin's smiling because I don't have notes here. (laughs) If you want to check out what else is going on with the USL, head over to uslnews.com. The remaining teams that are in it, they're still going to be doing coverage. Uh, The written content is there. It's all fantastic. Um, yeah, head over to bgn.fm for other great podcasts. Uh, there, we got some new ones that we're going to be announcing very, very soon. The, the, the site just continues to explode. It, again, is very humbling, the number of people that just come to us and just want to be part of this. So it's fantastic. Um, yeah, lots of stuff going on in this off season. Uh, we got more great stuff coming for you, so don't, don't think we're going anywhere, like I said. And uh, as always, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.